It's the Pete Callender Show. With more than 20 years as a reporter and radio host in North Carolina, Pete Callender is helping solve the world's problems one podcast at a time. Because he's a giver. And now, here's Pete. What is going on? Welcome to the show. Thanks so much for listening. I do appreciate it. And remember, if you're not a subscriber, head on over to thepetecalendarshow.com and click the subscribe button. You can also uh, go to any of your favorite podcasting platforms and subscribe that way as well. Uh, had a lot of fun last night on the live stream. Thanks, everybody, for hanging out. Uh, and if you want to be a part of that, by the way, the link is also at thepetecalendarshow.com. Uh, up at the top, it says exclusive content for patrons. You click on that, and that's how you get access to the live streams by becoming a patron, like, for example, Grant and David, Cindy, Eric, Dan, Joshua, Christian, Stephanie, Casey, and Mary. Thank you very much, everybody, for becoming patrons of the show. You guys literally make the show possible. All right, so President Joe Biden signed into law the $1.9 trillion American Rescues Plan. American Rescue Plan, sorry. Uh, Or as I like to call it, just the ARP. And if you call it the Biden American Rescue Plan, it's the BARP. Anyway, Politico called it the largest expansion of the welfare state since LBJ. The Great Society. And while it was billed as COVID relief, right, immediately after passage, I started noticing a bunch of progressives talking about how they want to make a lot of these provisions permanent features of the tax code, which is weird if it's <laughs> if it's relief. Uh, why would you make these permanent features of the tax code? President Biden then delivered a speech last night marking the law's passage, as well as the one year anniversary of the pandemic. And uh, we'll have some clips to listen to. Uh, from that address. First, though, we're going to talk with Nan Swift. She's a resident fellow at the R Street Institute and former professional staff for the Senate Budget Committee. Um, But I got to tell you also, uh, before we get to Nan's uh, interview, the weather here in Asheville has been fantastic for the last two days. Uh, Spring is here, people. And uh, if you've been, uh, you know, thinking about the tools in your shed And you're thinking, oh, my gosh, I do not want to have to use these tools. I don't want to have to wrestle with that weed whacker again. It's barely operable. And God knows how it's going to operate after, you know, a wintertime sitting in the shed. Head on over to General Equipment Rental. Okay, they've got all sorts of uh, tools that you can rent, um, but also to buy. They are your official Honda and Husqvarna. Outdoor Power Equipment Sales and Service Provider. They know these pieces of equipment. They know these tools, these mowers. They know them. And they can actually tell you the differences model to model, year to year. Uh, Like, oh, this one, they did an improvement, you know, on this mechanism on the mower. Um, Also pretty cool is you can use some of these tools. You can rent them, see if you like them. Do you need gas or battery? Or maybe uh, you just need one project. Maybe you want to do a garden. You want to till the land up. You don't want to buy a tiller. You're only going to do this once. Rent it from General Equipment Rental. Also, they've got a great deal going on right now for the Husqvarna stand-on mowers. Uh, These are the V500 series, legendary Husqvarna power, performance, and reliability. And you can get $3,500 off on these things. How? Glad you asked. They're going to combine two different deals for you they can do this as you know official dealers uh they can do this they know about the deals and then they they can help you do this 
So one of them is you take 25% off the MSRP for purchasing a nine-point fleet item. And then the other is that you take a $1,000 instant rebate when you purchase the V548 or the V554 stand-on mower. Add them together, bam, $3,500. This deal is going to end, though, in April, April 30th at the end of the month. So don't think about it for too long, okay? General Equipment Rental. Go check out the inventory at generalrents.com and think outside your toolbox. Joining me now is Nan Swift, a resident fellow in the governance program at the R Street Institute. And prior to joining R Street, Nan worked as professional staff for the U.S. Senate Budget Committee. Uh, And so welcome to the show, Nan. Thanks so much for joining me. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Sure. So um, let's start at the high level of the uh, well, first, I guess I should start there. Start here. What do you call it? Do you call this a stimulus bill? Do you call it a relief package? What do you prefer to call it? I think we're still in a phase where it's safe to call this a relief package. Um, Certainly it was prompted by ongoing um, and lingering problems as a result of the pandemic. So I, cause I hear people refer to it as both now. And I know a lot of people called like the first one or two, they were calling those stimulus packages. And I was with you. I was like, I think these are relief packages. Um, yeah. but I, like this one seems like it's got a lot more stimulusy kind of stuff <laughs> packed into it, uh, than maybe the other two. So what have you, do you, have you done any kind of comparison between the, uh, the previous packages and this one sort of like better, worse pros, cons, that sort of thing? I think they've all been a mixed bag. I mean, this one, I wouldn't characterize it as full of stimulus stuff so much because I don't think the things that people think will are stimulating will actually do that. And we've been here before, back in 2009. Um, and it's, it's really full of, you know, some handouts that aren't actually going to um, help our economy, help people get back to work, things like that. Um, I also think it's really poorly targeted at this point. Um, and while the other packages were poorly targeted as well, at least at this point, we should have a better sense of what states need the most help because some states are thriving, mm-hmm. others not so much. They all have different economic makeups. Some people are thriving, others really aren't. We should not be treating this um, as a, a one-size-fits-all problem. Right. And I remember talking with various experts, uh, you know, at the beginning of all of this when the first uh, packages were being debated. And, you know, my view on it, and I'm a, I'm a limited government, you know, lowercase l, libertarian kind of a guy. And uh, but I said, you know, if this is going to be like helicopter money, then just get it out the door as fast as possible. Right. Mm-hmm. And accept the fact that there's going to be waste. There's going to be abuses. It's going to happen. But when you shut everything down, you're kind of obligated to help people out at some point. Right. right? So I, I view that as different than now, um, where, like you said, we, we do have time to kind of make better I would think assessments, better decisions. You say it's poorly targeted. So I'm kind of curious as to um, where, what are some of the poor targets and where would you prefer that the money go? Well, I think the one we're hearing the most about is the direct payments, um, where those should be cut off. I mean, at the beginning of the conversation, there wasn't really a cutoff. Now, at least I think it's at 
$75,000 for earners. But at the same time, you know, a family with two parents is going to get double what perhaps a single mother who might need more um, will be getting. Um, you know, it's just, it's not really workable for the conditions on the ground. And I think that we have had the time at this point um, to understand what's happening a lot better than how we're responding. Mm -hmm. You mentioned also some states have done well. North Carolina has done well. We have, you know, large Mm -hmm. reserves, rainy day reserves. Uh, The Republicans made that a priority when they won control of the General Assembly uh, back in 2010. And, you know, they're under constant pressure, obviously, to, you know, raid the money, (laughs) raid the account (laughs) all the time. And they've held fast on that. And, um, and they shored up the unemployment system. And now it turns out what, like the states with higher unemployment, they're going to get bigger bailouts. And right. states that have uh, been good stewards of their fiscal ship, they, they're they not going to, they're not going to get as much money. So I guess that's why people are saying this is a blue state bailout. Well, it's not only that, but, um, you know, look at the different fiscal habits of states like Basically everywhere versus Illinois or California. (laughs) (laughs) But at the same time, going back to your point about how, you know, things were just kind of shut down and people can't control that. And we people like, how do we deal with it? How do we respond? And at some states, regardless of their fiscal situation, their economies are just highly reliant on tourism dollars like Louisiana, you know, there, they do have big budget gaps that they hadn't anticipated in California who had been, you know, saying at the very beginning, we're going to need all this money. You know what? They're doing fine. Their revenue is up because Silicon Valley is bumping Mm. as a result of, you know, all the new technology we're using. Um, We just, you know, have to look beyond the surface and beyond the usual arguments. If anything, we should have learned over the past year that we shouldn't be (laughs) just trusting what our first impressions and what we've always thought. And it's important to look a little deeper and have an open mind about things. But now We're, this uh, is all brand new. Right, Let's all not make assumptions. Right. Exactly. Yes, I totally agree. But now you are former professional staffer at the U.S. Senate Budget Committee. So you are aware these are, you know, politicians you're talking about. <laughs> so, right. I, right you, you are aware of the certain type of breed that they're that they are. Right. I mean, like, you're is are you asking too much of them to try to think differently? Because, look, I mean, the political reality here uh, and I don't know, you don't need to opine on this, is that, you know, you, you've got a party that has now taken control and they have complete control for the first time in a very long time. They're going to run as much as they can to get as much as their as many of their priorities passed right yeah and that's that's only fair i mean both parties do that when they have the reins of power um but even more than that i mean a lot of the big spending it's a bipartisan thing yeah it's not partisan at all everyone just has their different favorites to spend money on and increasingly 
Congress doesn't want to make any decisions about this. That's why we see giant omnibus bills at the end of the year, continuous resolutions, because people don't want to make choices. They don't want to debate amendments on the floor and have their votes recorded. They'd all rather just make talking points, go viral for aggressive <laughs> questioning and a hearing rather than seeking actual information. And that's a problem, but it's something that voters have to be, um, you know, holding their elected officials accountable for. They have to elect people who want to actually govern. And right now, it's just not the way it seems. So it's a, it's a good point you raise about these big bills, these omnibus bills, right, where you just stuff everything into it. And it gives everybody who wants the bill to pass, gives them all of the, you know, the positive things to talk about and gives everybody who opposes it negative things to talk about. And then they can beat each other up on the stuff they disagree with. And we're seeing it already. You know, I'm seeing like on social media, uh, you know, I mentioned the blue state bailout. That's the Republican talking point. Then you've got on the other side. uh, Well, you know, they voted against you getting fourteen hundred dollars, you know. So remember that at election Mm -hmm. time. And they're all running off of, you know, similar scripts. Uh, and so this is the way we govern now, right? We're not we're not governing one bill at a time, one issue per bill. It's worse than that. Oh God! <laughs> Increasingly, <laughs> we just let you know the president and the administration, the agencies, the heads of those agencies, um, make all the decisions. Congress doesn't want to actually do their jobs. We used to say, you know, oh, executive overreach. Oh no. But increasingly, it's Congress saying, hey, do you want to do all the stuff? How about we write this bill in really broad language that you can interpret how you want (laughs) and you can write the regulations. We're not going to do it. I mean, and you saw it pretty clearly on it's an ongoing thing where Schumer and his folks in the Senate, they have been begging President Biden to please just sign an executive order with a $50,000 student loan forgiveness. Mm -hmm. Just wipe that debt out, no matter how people spent it, no matter the fact that it's grad students who will end up um, earning more who benefit the most from it, but they just want someone else to do it. The call is coming from inside the Congress for them (laughs) not to do their own jobs. Right. And so far, to his credit, Biden has been holding on. I think he knows as a former senator (laughs) that that's not his role. No, Congress is now, you know, taking steps to like, how can we write it so that he can do this? Because they don't want their hands on it. Which, when you look at the founding fathers' idea of how they set up the structure, right, that they they believe that elected officials would, would, you know, zealously guard their own power. And that would put, you know, if we pit the states versus the feds and each of the chambers versus each other and against the executive, that everybody would sort of protect their own turf. It seems like they never contemplated <laughs> the uh, well. I guess the the impact of viral videos and fundraising. Right? Right. You don't even think, have to do the job anymore. Right. I think the only thing people want to protect is, you know, the microphone and their own celebrity. Well, in the hundred what hundred eighty k a year, whatever they make as a Congress member, um, that's not a bad gig, well, right? <laughs> not to mention, you know, the payout when they're done. Yeah, you got to just put in your time. And then you can go make bank. 
So this is not helpful for me because I'm generally a cynic on this uh, this kind of thing, and usually my guests kind of talk me off the ledge. You're not you're not doing that, and <laughs> not good. Well, I'm with you. You should know that before I went to the Senate Budget Committee, I was on the outside. I worked for another think tank for many years, the National Taxpayers Union, and so I already had. You know, a fair amount of skepticism when I went to the Hill to work for um, then Senate Senate Budget Committee Chairman Enzi, a wonderful man, wonderful man. And I only had all of those skepticisms and concerns confirmed. Confirmed, yes, that's the, that's the worst. <laughs> it's it's yeah. Would you prefer to just have the opinions and never have them confirmed? Uh, the ignorance is bliss argument. Uh, more with Nan Swift in a minute. First, ignorance is not bliss if you're trying to buy or sell a home. In fact, it can be very very costly if you don't have the right real estate agent working for you. Yeah, it could cost you dearly. So do what I did. Call Rowena Patton, buying or selling, and she and her all-star powerhouse team, they'll look out for you, but they'll also know things to avoid. Like when Christy and I started looking, first we started looking to buy a house. We were not really happy with what we were finding. Uh, So then we said, well, maybe we should build something. And Rowena uh, had a whole write-up on, like, the costs of building and such, and here's what you should expect. And, you know, there were things in there we had no idea right, to to even ask about. Uh, And so now we're building, it's called a build to suit. There's a neighborhood we're building in that. And that's, uh, and again, they, uh, Rowena and her team, they, you know, ask questions, had us ask questions uh, that we did not even think about to ask. And things like fixtures, you know, what's a better investment? Do you go, uh, do you spend more money on this thing now? Well, it depends on how long you're going to be in the house, right? All of these decisions, they can help you. If you're trying to sell your house and it's not moving, it's probably your real estate agent because Rowena Patton, she gets homes sold quickly, like really fast, like days. Uh, we had friends who listed the home and then within days uh, it was under contract. So uh, here's what you do. Give her a call. Her phone number is 828-333-4483. The website is mountainhomehunt.com. That's 333-4483. Call Rowena Patton today and then start packing. So, well, let, let me ask you this. I have seen this argument as a talking point from Republicans that only 9% of this money is going to COVID, to actually fight COVID or whatever. It, it, are you aware of that talking point? Have you heard it? Is that true? Is there some element of truth to that? Um, I would say there's an element of truth to that. Um, only about 1% of the funds, according to the Committee on Responsible Federal Budget, are going to... Um, you know, actual vaccine distribution, they say that six per, another 6% is going to other COVID-related things. Um, so they actually peg it a little lower. Um, these are the great guys over there who actually do the math and sit down and make charts out of everything. So their numbers are pretty reliable. And All right, so... so- so kind of true is that is like if I'm doing a politifact on this, it's it's kind of true. I would say pretty true. Pretty true. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> it's truthy, right? Isn't that the word truthy? Um, so uh, is this sustainable? Is this 1.9 trillion on top of God knows? I don't even know what the other price tags were. I think it went up to like something six trillion dollars just in COVID stuff. Is this sustainable? What does this do to the value of the dollar? What does this do to our economic system long term? Well, that, again, the news is still dire. 
um, the Congressional Budget Office, you may have seen in the last few weeks, put out two major reports. One was the usual 10-year budget outlook. More recently, they put out the long-term, so they're looking about 30 years out, um, budget and economic outlook. And the CBO says, you know what, we will get a boost when the pandemic gets under control. It's going to be good. Right. <laughs> Once everything goes back to normal, but right away, you see the debt um, and everything that we've taken on and not paid for start to drag that recovery back down. And, you know, we're looking at a rate of debt to GDP at 200 percent by 2051. So what does that um, mean for folks who aren't math? Well, what does that mean? <laughs> that means that we are going to have to pay more and more money on the interest of our debt, even as we keep taking it on. Right now, some of those modern monetary theorists are saying, oh, but the you know, interest on the debt is very low right now, so it's fine, so keep borrowing. And that's just really insane logic, because first <laughs> of all, we don't know what interest rates will be in the future. And there's a very real risk that the more debt we take on, and the more the markets see that, and see that we have no intention of paying it off, or even trying to pay any of it off, not to mention, you know, our entitlement problems that are going to come on top of this, you know, they might get a little worried and our interest rates are probably going to shift. People might start saying, let's not invest in the dollar. Let's invest elsewhere. Um, all those things will undermine our economy. But worse, this logic that if interest rates are low, keep borrowing. That's like, you know, the way alcoholics think. This yeah. is addictive behavior. It still has a cost, and you're still racking it up. Yeah. Anyone who has been in debt and then gotten out of it understands this. I I did that, uh, gosh, probably now about 15 years ago. Uh, recognize that, you know, the, the cycle that you get into with the interest, the, the, the late fees and stuff when you're making minimum payments, and it just, you can't ever get ahead of it. Uh, and I, I don't, that's, I, I don't understand the MMT folks either. I, I don't understand that, the argument, that's what you mentioned, right? This MMT uh, philosophy, which is, I, is, isn't that basically Keynesian theory? Like, isn't it the same thing, just like a different name or something? I think so, although they don't, it seems to me more, Let's give everyone free toys versus canes a little more like shovel-ready jobs. Uh, if there's a difference, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Washing it through the administrative state first rather yeah, than just a direct. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. uh, <laughs> Fair enough. You know, because some T people, they love all the other just free programs, universal health care, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Um, is there anything else that you'd like to add here that you think is important or interesting to note that we haven't already covered? Only other bad news. It's, oh, it's not a lot of fun, but I think the bottom line is that, you know, if we're going to start changing this and all the other problems, again, Social Security, Medicare, not doing any better <laughs> under any of this, um, we have major, major problems on the horizon. And if we don't start to expect more from our legislators, and also, you know, maybe not 
make everything so do or die. Give people a chance to negotiate and look at these things in good faith. Maybe we can actually start to tackle some of these things like adults. And then you remember you're talking to media, and that's not what we do. <laughs> we, if yeah, we we are we are in the I know, business that of be boring. <laughs> So boring. That's right. Yes. We're in some dire straits. Uh, Nan Swift, a resident fellow in the governance program at the R Street Institute. And um, you can read her work at uh, the website rstreet.org. Thanks so much for your time, Nan. I appreciate it. Nice to chat with you. Thanks for spending your time with us. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. All right. And as I mentioned earlier that the president, he made an address, gave a speech last night talking about the COVID relief bill. And we'll have some highlights of that in a minute. Uh, The editorial board at Issues and Insights, Uh, these are some of the guys that used to do, uh, what is it, Uh, Business Insider, I believe it was. Anyway, uh, they say a bit of a different approach than Nan Swift. They say far from COVID relief, the mantra of the far left Democrats, uh, it was really all about blue state relief. The bill that many Americans thought would bring them fat checks and some reprieve from their government induced lockdowns. Uh, has actually turned into a giant Christmas tree surrounded by goodies for Democrat-run blue states and their big labor allies. Uh, The editors argue that the relief bill wasn't even needed because the economy has already been bouncing back sharply. Uh, Speaking of bouncing back, if uh, that sounds like your bed, like when you uh, get out of the bed, it like bounces back and like your partner like flips out of the bed or when you get in the bed, you like roll into the center because there's a big old uh, divot right in the middle. There's like this big uh, hole in the middle of the mattress where everybody just kind of rolls into the center. Well, that it, look, the bed needs to be replaced. You need a new mattress. So head on over to Mattress Man. And by the way, this is a great time to be prepared for daylight saving times, which is coming up a couple days from now. Um, you know, people lose an hour of sleep. It messes with our sleep clocks. And, uh, you know, there are increased numbers of heart attacks and strokes and car accidents and workplace accidents. Uh, daylight saving time is trying to kill us or maybe the government that keeps the policy in place. Either way, this is the way you fight back. Get yourself a mattress from Mattress Man. They've got all kinds of mattresses from the memory foam type that Christy and I have, uh, or uh, they've got natural latex mattresses, pillow tops, inner springs. They've got them all, plus get a free adjustable base with the purchase of select mattresses. Let the sleep consultants at Mattress Man help you find the right bed for you. They ship nationwide. They have a local five-star delivery service and a 120-day comfort guarantee. They've got tons of flexible financing options like no interest for two years. Uh, You don't even need any credit. You know, if you've got bad credit, they they don't think that that should bar you from getting a good night's sleep. Again, especially in light of the fact that daylight saving time is trying to kill everybody. So experience the difference at Mattress Man, buy local, and sleep better. So first, let's start with this stark fact, say the editors at Issues and Insights. Uh, They say just over 60% of the $1.9 trillion in spending goes to outlays unconnected to COVID, but are directly linked to paying off faithful Democratic constituencies. So this gets to that 9% number. And Uh, They're talking about, you know, blue state governors, big city mayors, big labor, big education, teachers and their unions, uh, government workers who all so faithfully support the Democratic Party that they might as well be an arm of it. 
The breakdown is as follows. Only 9% for COVID-19 mitigation. So that's a very specific category, mitigation. Um, And then the rest, 30% for one-time checks and extended unemployment benefits. Okay, so COVID mitigation, 9%, 30% for one-time checks and extended unemployment benefits. So you could say that that total, 39%, that that is directly related to COVID. The rest will go to blue state bailouts, uh, funding for school systems that remain closed, kickbacks to unions, new subsidies for Obamacare, and exorbitant financing for innumerable pet progressive projects. Uh, This I also came across uh, two stories in the New York Post this morning um, that, let's see here, it wipes out New York State's projected budget deficit, possibly negating the need for hefty tax hikes or spending cuts, according to Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer's office. The American Rescue Plan provides state government there with $12.6 billion in unrestricted aid. They're facing a multi-billion dollar budget cap, and the it left the left flank of the state legislature demanding massive tax increases. <laughs> they wanted to go, they wanted to take the tax rate um, to 10.86%. That's an income tax, state income tax, on the top wealthiest earners from 8.82 to 10.86, so a two percentage point, a little bit more increase, uh, and that would put the city residents that are wealthy, that would put them in a tax rate of just under 15%. Could you imagine a 15% income tax rate? Uh, Governor Cuomo, who may not be governor very long, expressed concerns about what happens when the one-time infusion of federal cash disappears. He then went out and uh, sexually harassed three staffers and locked a 1,000 elderly people into an Ebola ward. I'm just kidding. He didn't actually do that, although he may need there to be uh, some resurfacing of, uh, you know, a photo from a yearbook of him like in blackface or wearing a Klan outfit. Yeah, I mean, otherwise he may not survive this scandal. He just needs those two things. All right. Um, so issues an inside editorial board. They say public education, which essentially has been shuttered for a year, gets $129 billion, even though much of the $31 billion it was given in March of 2020 and the $82 billion it received in December's relief remain unspent. Meanwhile, American kids still locked out of the schools. The only winners are going to be teachers, unions and administrators, not students who will face inadequate Zoom classes, social isolation, boredom and even clinical depression thanks to union intransigence. Please remember that the next time you uh, they tell you that it's for the kids. Also in the soup liner, government workers, federal employees get up to 15 weeks of COVID related leave worth a total of $21,000 through a special family leave account. Um, that includes parents whose kids are enrolled in a school that has not reopened on a full-time basis. Are you eligible for that benefit? No, you are not. So if you're a worker for the federal government, you got a kid at a school and the school hasn't reopened, you get this money, up to $21,000. We could go on. The new law spends billions on Amtrak, foreign aid, illegal immigrant health care, and bonuses for state workers. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi and the Democrats played the COVID crisis brilliantly. We should give them credit. And uh, speaking of taking credit, um, this brings us to Joe Biden's speech. A year ago, we were hit with a virus that was met with silence and spread unchecked. Denials for days, weeks, then months 
that led to more deaths, more infections, more stress, and more loneliness. Photos and videos from 2019 feel like they were taken in another era. That's literally how he started the speech, by blaming Donald Trump. Which is weird because he's supposed to be trying to unify us and, you know, bring us all together. I'm not sure attacking Donald Trump right out of the gate uh, would be the best course of action while then also claiming credit for all of the vaccines. Right. He said the pandemic, the death and the lockdowns have exacted a terrible cost on all of us and on the psyche of a lot of people. For we are fundamentally a people who want to be with others, to talk to laugh, to hug, to hold one another. But this virus has kept us apart. Grandparents haven't seen their children or grandchildren. Parents haven't seen their kids. Kids haven't seen their friends. The things we used to do that always filled us with joy have become things we couldn't do and broke our hearts. Too often, We've turned against one another. A mask, the easiest thing to do to save lives. Sometimes it divides us. States pitted against one another instead of working with each other. Vicious hate crimes against Asian Americans who've been attacked, harassed, blamed, and scapegoated. At this very moment, so many of them, our fellow Americans, They're on the front lines of this pandemic trying to save lives. And still, still, they're forced to live in fear for their lives just walking down streets in America. It's wrong. Wait. It's un-American, and it must stop. Okay, yes, I agree. Nobody should be getting assaulted just for simply walking down the street. I'm completely on board with that, against the you know, racial uh, attacks and all of that. But I'm I'm curious. I'm not aware. Is is this happening all over the place? I wasn't aware of this. Um, I also wonder uh, how far this would go, how far it would go um, if President Biden were to recognize publicly some of the harassment that Republicans faced for wearing their MAGA hats, you know, that sort of thing. Um, at the very beginning of that soundbite, you heard him talk about the masks. This is dividing us. And he holds it up and shakes it at us at the camera. Right. I mean, Republicans have been accused of being super spreaders and murderers for opposing any of these heavy handed government lockdowns. Right. For being the sheepdog barking at the the sounds in the night along the perimeter of the farm. Right. Like that's that's the the reaction that the right has been subjected to for the last year. You've got people who are who are peddling the panic porn that are acting as, you know, hall monitors, these these face mask shamers, moral grandstanders, um, you know, doxing people, attacking people that, you know, they want your grandma to die. Uh, How dare you choose money over lives? You know, reframing the argument in a completely dishonest way. Again, I oppose any violence or targeting of anybody. the Asian people are not to blame for the virus. No, the communists are to blame for the virus getting here. Communist China is to blame. It's the government, the communist government of China. Um, but I always try to take note of how the left picks racial and ethnic groups to white knight for in these kinds of speeches. 
just because usually there's something going on there that you got to kind of be aware of because there's probably going to be some legislation that comes down the pike at some point. I'm not sure. Um, It's in that speech for a reason. I don't know why, but it's in that speech for a reason. Look, we know what we need to do to beat this virus. Tell the truth. Follow the scientists and the science. Work together. Put trust and faith in our government to fulfill its most important function, which is protecting the American people. No function more important. We need to remember the government isn't some foreign force in a distant capital. No, it's us, all of us, we the people. For you and I, that America thrives when we give our hearts, when we turn our hands to common purpose. And right now, my friends, we're doing just that. And I have to say, as your president, I'm grateful to you. Last summer, I was in Philadelphia and I met a small business owner, a woman. I asked her, I said, what do you need most? Never forget what she said to me. She said, looking me in the eyes, she said, I just want the truth. The truth. Just tell me the truth. Think of that. Mm. My fellow Americans, really makes you think. You're owed nothing less than the truth. And for all of you asking when things will get back to normal, here is the truth. The only way to get our lives back, to get our economy back on track, is to beat the virus. Uh, I'm, I, uh, I don't know. I'm not sure you beat viruses. I mean, I don't know. Because I think like there are viruses, the common cold, for example, it's still around. We learn to live with it. Pneumonia, right? It's still around. There are different diseases, sicknesses that, that are around. They kill lots of people every year, but like we still we still live a normal life, quote unquote, a normal life. But speaking of the truth, uh, what Biden didn't say in his primetime address, he kept mentioning, you know, the truth. Um, Biden mentioned he and uh, Vice President Kamala Harris and their spouses, uh, that they're going to be going on a tour across America. Um, why would that? Why would they need to do that? He, he, he didn't really talk about that truth. It's a little bit of truthiness missing there. I'll get into that in a second. First, you need to get into some CBD products from Growers Hemp, okay? Get into their website first. That's growershemp.com. And when you get into the website and you you fill up your shopping cart with all these great products, then use the promo code Pete and you'll get 20% off, okay, at the checkout. Growers Hemp, these are North Carolina farmers. They control the entire process. They grow the crops. They control the manufacturing. Seed to shelf, as I say. Um, and what that means is better quality for you and lower price, and you're helping support local North Carolina family farmers, and uh, they help you on your wellness journey, right? It's a win-win for everybody. I take a couple of drops of their full-spectrum hemp extract every night before I go to bed, uh, and I fall asleep and I stay asleep. I sleep more deeply than I ever have before. So uh, go check out their website, see what their products can do for you, and as with all CBD products, here's what GovCo requires me to tell you that the statements 
I have said have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. The efficacy of these products has not been confirmed by FDA-approved research, and these products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Nothing I have said is meant as a substitute for or alternative to information from your healthcare provider, so consult your healthcare professional about potential interactions or other possible complications before using any product. Go to growershemp.com, promo code PETE for 20% off from North Carolina farmers to you and your home, Growers Hemp. It's about the hemp and not the hype. Redstate.com's Becca Lower or Lauer, um, she says Biden and uh, yeah, Biden during the speech mentioned that he was going to be going across the country and he would be touting uh, the benefits of this COVID-19 relief bill. Right. He plans. And here's what CNN called it. Uh, plans to uh, plans a media and travel blitz to sell relief plan and make the benefits permanent. How, wh- wait, why would you be making the benefits permanent? It's a relief package. Why does there need to be permanence to a relief package? Theoretically, you would be paying a bunch of things out, right? You you pay out all this money in order to provide relief, and then it ends. It's over, right? Why would these things need to be made permanent? CNN says, after signing a massive but temporary expansion of the social safety net into law this week, President Joe Biden will set about convincing Americans that its benefits, which amount to a dramatic reshaping of the country's economy, must be made permanent. See, because this was done via reconciliation, which is a budget trick. They did it via reconciliation, just like they did Obamacare, which, by the way, when you govern like this against half of the country, that's what they did. It's a partisan vote. They did this to the country. They did it against half of the country. You should never expect that half of the country to uh, to accept the, these government programs and services as legitimate. You shouldn't, because they didn't want the, you to expand it in the first place. This is why it's important to get the bipartisan buy-in. You didn't get it, so expect resistance. Also, CNN says... Uh, Likely next month, Biden will speak to a joint session of Congress to lay out his next steps, which the White House says are still being developed, but will likely include a push on infrastructure, climate and making permanent the provisions that ease burdens on families. That is likely to require tax increases, making its passage a tougher sell, but solidifying its larger effect on American society. Rebecca uh, or Becca Lower, 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 Lower. Anyway, uh, at redstate.com, she says, here's the deal. Democrats are planning to immediately, while they have control in Washington, cement the progressive agenda advanced in the so-called COVID relief bill and blow up the economy. The outgoing Washington Post economic columnist, Stephen Perlstein, he says, quote, welcome fellow Americans to the era of the free lunch to hear it from liberal economists progressive activists and democratic politicians, there is no longer any limit to how much money government can borrow and spend and print. What we have been treated to instead are mindless talking points, politically inspired lines in the sand, and transparently partisan proposals to reward the democratic base, buy off white working class voters, and avenge the partisan outrages of the Trump era." That's what's going on here. Did Joe Biden cover any of that in his truthiness speech last night? He then went on to tout all the progress being made by the pharmaceutical companies, um, saying that, quote, because of the work that we've done 
everyone will be able to get a vaccine by May 1st. With new guidance from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, the CDC, that came out on Monday, it means simply this. Millions and millions of grandparents who went months without being able to hug their grandkids can now do so. And the more people are fully vaccinated, the CD will continue to provide additional guidance on what you can do in the workplace, places of worship with your friends, as well as travel. Guidance on what I can do. When I came into office, you may recall, I said a goal that many of you said was that kind of way over the top. I said I intended to get 100 million shots in people's arms in my first 100 days in office. All right. Hang on a second. I got to stop right there because uh, no, people weren't actually telling you that it was like, oh, my gosh, that's such a long shot. There's no way you're going to do that. In fact, actually, people were saying, why is he saying only 100 million? Because we were already vaccinating over a million a day when he got into office. <laughs> he said, remember, he set a goal that was actually lower than the course we were already on. And now he's claiming credit for being ahead of that low goal. And he's saying that people said I couldn't do it. Like, no, people said we were already doing better than that. I don't. And I also I kind of bristle. Maybe it's just me being an American, but I kind of bristle when you tell me that the government is going to tell me what I can and cannot do uh, when it comes to my risk assessment of getting covid and dying from it. Right. Like that's my risk assessment. I feel pretty up to speed on my risk and I take precautions accordingly. Tonight, I can say we're not only going to meet that goal, we're going to beat that goal because we've actually on track to reach this goal of 100 million shots in arms on my 60th day in office. No other country in the world has done this. None. Now, that would have been a really good time to give a little bit of credit to Operation Warp Speed, which he did not. He made no reference to Operation Warp Speed. He did give credit to the pharmaceutical companies and the way they were able to, you know, magically come up with the vaccine so quickly. However, did it happen? Here's what the RNC put out. They said Biden is gaslighting on vaccines. Operation Warp Speed developed a vaccine in record time, and was meeting Joe Biden's distribution goal before he even took office. Meanwhile, Biden spent months during the campaign sowing doubt about the efficacy of vaccines being developed. Right? I remember that. Joe Biden and Kamala Harris were like, I don't know if I'm going to take a vaccine by this president, you know what I mean? And now they're like, I don't know why people don't want to get the vaccine. It's so weird. Of course, now that they won... Now you got a lot of Republicans that are like, I'm not taking that vaccine. That's Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. So now you've, because you politicized it, now you got people from both uh, camps that don't want to take it because of who's in the White House. This is how stupid we are (laughs) as a society, I guess. Uh, He laid out the new goals. He wants to get to 2 million vaccinations per day. And that's a good goal to have. He wants to open a majority of K through eight schools within his first 100 days in office. I wonder if Roy Cooper's decision to open K-5 might have had anything to do with that. Anyway, uh, he wants to issue guidance on what we can and uh, cannot do once vaccinated. Again, uh, maybe it's just me, but I bristle a little bit like if you're going to tell me what I can and cannot do once I get the shot. Dude, I'm getting the shot so I can do whatever the hell I want to do, right? If you don't, and if your guidance doesn't say that, what's the point of me getting the shot? 
Why would I go and get the vaccination when it means I still can't return to normal, when it means I still have to wear masks and I still can't gather and I still have to social distance. I have to do all of these things that the vaccine is supposed to uh, mean that we don't have to do anymore. I'm not sure this is the best sales pitch you can be making on this. He also pleaded with people (laughs) to get the vaccine even though he's not sure, I guess, what the guidance is going to be on how we can all behave once we get it. If we do all this, if we do our part, if we do this together, by July the 4th, there's a good chance you, your families and friends, will be able to get together in your backyard or in your neighborhood and have a cookout and a barbecue and celebrate Independence Day. Oh. That doesn't mean large events oh. with lots of people together, but it does mean huh? small groups will be able to get together. <laughs> After this long, hard year, that will make this Independence Day something truly special. Where we not only mark our independence as a nation, but we begin to mark our independence from this virus. Yeah. Instead of marking our independence from a government issuing all sorts of rules about how we can live and stuff. To quote Fox News' Tucker Carlson, who are you talking to? <laughs> it's a great if you haven't seen the clip. He's like, who do you think you're talking to? Like, you're, and this is when it kind of dawned on a lot of people. Uh, I saw on social media, they're like, oh, wait a minute, have have all of you Democrats not been hugging people for a year? Have you like been, like, have you really been actually not hanging out with people? You've been. You've been isolating yourself in your place and not leaving and not not having any interaction with people like, oh, well, that stinks. <laughs> That's like when when people found out when Governor Cooper is like, we're going to lift the curfew. And everybody's like, oh, wait, there was a curfew. <laughs> right. Yeah, I guess that's one way to go. Uh, here's here's one way to go, too. You can go to a big box store and you can get some outdoor equipment and uh, it's going to cost you a lot of money and it's not going to be very good. It's going to fall apart like backpacks and stuff for the kids going back to school. Now, you can go also to Old Grouch's Military Surplus where you'll get real U.S. military surplus. And this is for outdoor gear. It's also for uh, the kids' backpacks. And this is sturdy stuff. It's real U.S. military surplus. And uh, you're going to get better deals on it at Old Grouch's Military Surplus in downtown Clyde. They are across the street from the anti-aircraft gun, and uh, they're on Main Street, and the shop is open Monday through Saturday, and they are online all the time at oldgrouch.com. And be sure and tell them that you heard it here on the Pete Callender Show. I do appreciate it. All right, Joe Biden also said we all have to keep doing the three W's. Beating this virus and getting back to normal depends on national unity. Mm, Unity. And national unity isn't just how politics and politicians vote in Washington. No. Or what the loudest voices say on cable or online. Unity is what we do together as fellow Americans. Like recognizing the benefits of Operation Warp Speed or something like that. Because if we don't stay vigilant and the conditions change, then we may have to reinstate restrictions to get back on track. And please, we don't want to do that again. We've made so much progress. This is not the time to let up. Just as we were emerging from a dark winter into a hopeful spring and summer is not the time. 
to not stick with the rules. By the way, uh, the left heard this and saw this speech, and uh, they were like, oh, my gosh, it's so great to have somebody who's empathetic to us. And I guess that's important to some degree. I mean, it is. You you know, you want the, I feel your pain, kind of Clintonian um, uh, character, you, you know, that display I find it to be performative, mainly because these are politicians. I don't really believe them uh, when they uh, make these expressions of empathy. But uh, it doesn't really matter. I'm more interested in the practical impact. I'm more interested in how this affects people. Yes, he gives a good speech. Fantastic. Everybody's like, oh, all the feels. It's great. He he totally gets me. Um, he closed, by the way, by highlighting the American Rescue Plan, talking about how he was going to go on tour. And then there was this. I promise you, we'll come out stronger with a renewed faith in ourselves, a renewed commitment to one another, to our communities and to our country. This is the United States of America. And there's nothing, nothing, from the bottom of my heart, I believe this, there's nothing we can't do when we do it together. So God bless you all. And please, God, give solace to all those people who lost someone. And may God protect our troops. Thank you for taking the time to listen. I look forward to seeing you. Wait, wait, what was that? What does that mean? Don't you usually end your speeches with stuff like, you know, and God bless America, whatever? Like, see you all. I, I don't. We'll see you all. Okay, Uh, and maybe he means on the tour where he's going around selling the relief plan to make everything permanent. Um, Byron York at the Washington Examiner uh, took a look at the numbers and said, look, if you if you compare America to uh, the rest of the world, we've actually done a pretty good job handling the pandemic. We have we've beaten Europe and and how um, and how they've handled it. So, like, why not tout that and say Look, everything we've done, we may have disagreed, but we've come through this as best as we kind of could, right? We made mistakes, but we're getting past it. We can learn from them. I don't know, just an idea, just spitballing. That's a wrap for the episode. Remember, subscribe at thepetecalendarshow.com. Talk with you later. Don't break anything while I'm gone.